Who's a naughty pup, you ask, as your willing victim climbs up onto the spanking bench in the dungeon, surrounded by men engaging in sexy flogging and bondage play. He barks and then growls a little bit as he puts himself into position. Wag that tail for me, you order, and he arches his back and wiggles, showing off his delightfully spankable puppy butt. You start with your hand, spanking him slowly but firmly. He whimpers a bit, but he moans as well. After getting him nice and warmed up, you slowly pull down his shorts to reveal a bare pink bottom. That's not nearly enough for a naughty puppy like you, you say. And then you pull out a nice long paddle. He whimpers again, but he also raises his bottom up in pup submission. He knows he needs his spanking. Welcome to episode 41 of the Dude Spanking Dudes podcast. This is not a podcast about mountain climbing safety tips, nor is it a podcast about alpaca breeding. This is a podcast about dudes who are spanking dudes and dudes who are being spanked by other dudes. And this podcast is hosted by two dudes. Hi, I'm Jaden. Hey, Jaden, and this is Scott, also known as Red Spank Scott. Welcome back for the, I don't know how many times it's been, but uh, welcome back as usual, Jaden. Jaden, of course, is the progenitor of WAPs available in the Apple and Google Play stores. How are you doing this holiday season? I'm doing pretty well. Good to be with you. It's been a little while. Yes, yes, it's good to have you back. Uh, I just saw you, well, a few weeks ago at a, a, a Spanking Buddies Christmas party at, uh, and then uh, uh, at CLAW, which we'll be talking about today over Thanksgiving weekend, was the wonderful first ever Los Angeles-based uh, CLAW massive leather kinky fetish weekend. I like about all the fun that happened there, particularly the spanking stuff. Um, uh, but before we get to that, let's just uh, remind Everybody in the speaking community that our event, our own special event, Hot Seat Retreat, is coming up March 17th through the 20th. Uh, Jaden, uh, you're handling registration and all that stuff. So how is that going? Yeah, so it's going really well. We have uh, about 140 people signed up. Um, we do still have – there are still rooms at the Overflow Hotel, which is a very nice uh, Holiday Inn Express. It's about a mile away from the main resort. And so you can uh, make those reservations uh, directly with, with them or through Expedia or whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can still sign up for Hot Seat Retreat uh, at our website, hotseatps.com. Um, you can also come for the day. And uh, um, there are day pass. There will be day passes available uh, on site. Yep. Uh, it is a lot of fun. We're having some people who are new to these faking events coming, and that's going to be super awesome. I am – now that CLAW is over, I will be turning my attention to uh, Hot Seat Retreat as the sort of the event coordinator uh, to make sure there's lots of spanking fun there to be had. So with that, let's talk about CLAW. So CLAW, uh, if you did not listen to episode 39 – uh, CLAW stands for Cleveland Leather Appreciation Weekend, um, and it is an annual big leather and kink and BDSM uh, festival for men or male-identified uh, male folks uh, up in Cleveland in April. So it may seem a little bit odd that we're talking about going to a Cleveland leather event on Thanksgiving in Los Angeles. 
<laughs> but that's exactly what happened. They uh, Claw had been looking to start a second event uh, in in the fall or winter to contrast the one in Cleveland, and they had been looking at LA. And so they launched. They used COVID kind of as an excuse. Uh, they had to cancel uh, what a, a year in Cleveland, so they used COVID as an excuse to kind of get a deal and come out for Thanksgiving to LA at a hotel downtown. Uh, and it was on Thanksgiving week, literally on Thanksgiving, uh, a bunch of folks were there having in, in their leather uniforms having Thanksgiving dinner at the hotel. Uh, and uh, I was there from Wednesday all the way through to Sunday. You were there as well, Jaden. How long were you there? Yeah, I got there on Friday. I was there for the whole weekend. Yeah, and uh, we stayed in the hotel, um, which was it's the Bonaventure, the Western Bonaventure Hotel. If you're not familiar with it, it's been in movies. This is a big weird looking hotel with a bunch of columns and these four big towers around the circular column. So it's very distinctive profile gets used in films. Um, it also makes it very complicated to navigate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it was my first leather event, but it was, you've been to other leather events. So why don't you kick off with talking about what it kind of felt like for you? Okay. Yeah, I've been to a couple of MAL events in Washington as well as IML in Chicago, um, which I think those are bigger by attendance. Um, but what I noticed about CLAW is that they, they had a much more, um, well, two things. It was more educational. So there were, there were seminars on, you know, skills and sort of community topics uh, where, you know, there was a, a panel and then some discussion, Q&A and stuff like that. Uh, the other difference is it seemed to be Claw was more a little bit more inclusive, like particularly having spanking as a major kind of feature of the event. I've never seen that before at a big leather event. Um, also, ABDL was very prominent at Claw. Yep. For uh, those who aren't familiar, ABDL is uh, adult baby diaper lover. Yes. So there was some there was some age play going on. There were pups everywhere. Um, there was, there were, there were men in leather. There are lots of leathered up folks. Uh, but yeah, that the, what was the great thing about the experience is, um, my worst fear didn't happen, which is that I was, I've always been afraid to go to these events as someone who's not really particularly into leather, feeling like I didn't belong. That did not happen here at all. I felt very much like I belonged. Of course, the other thing that contributed to that is, I worked very hard <laughs> to <laughs> make sure that Spanking had a massive presence at CLAW. And at that part, I would say we succeeded. There's a lot that I learned from doing this, which is kind of partly the point. Um, so just to kind of go over some of that stuff, the stuff, the education classes, I, uh, along with um, JR, who's been on the podcast a couple times, and a buddy of ours named Sam, uh, did – there were – there were three spanking-related panels. There was one on caning. I did not meet those folks, um, but there was also a panel just on the basics of teaching caning. And, of course, for other impact play, there are some flogging panels. But I did two spanking panels. Uh, one was spanking 101, typical stuff. They do this kind of – I had noticed going back through Claw's um, previous years, There's they typically always have a spanking 101 class. So I offered it up this year. Uh, on behalf, because they had a lot of educators who go to the Cleveland event who weren't able to make it out to LA. So I said, like, do you need someone locally? 
And they said, sure. And actually that happened with a lot of these education classes were put on by my buddies. Well, actually, they're not my buddies anymore. Now they're my brothers. Uh, as of last weekend, I am officially now a member of Avatar, which is a BDSM education club uh, for men here in Los Angeles. So, so teaching kink is more than a hobby. I guess it's, well, no, it's still a hobby, but it's now a duty, I guess. So anyway, they were doing a bunch of classes on flogging, on um, fisting, on electroplay, uh, water sports. There's all sorts of educational stuff, um, how-tos. There are a lot of culture classes. And so I did this Bayhew 101 class. Um, the other seminar I did with JR and Sam was called the Spanking as a Lifestyle uh, class, which ended up being, you know, really kind of interesting, uh, something that I've been mulling over, something that was actually inspired by Claw itself, which is the idea of what does it mean to uh, have spanking as essentially your sexual orientation or, you know, not even just being your primary kink, maybe it's your only kink. Maybe that's just what gets you horny. What does it mean to be part of the Spanko community? And really, um, a lot of it was talking about the relationship between the Spanking community and the larger BDSM community. So we had a lot of fun with that. You were there for that one, right? Yes, I was. What did you think? Oh, I thought it was a very relevant discussion. Um, something we all think about, like, where do we fit in, right? Especially when you go to a large kink event, you realize how many people are out there that are kinky in general. Um, and there's not a lot of, you know, spanking purists like us, right? <laughs> uh, but we do fit in. And, you know, I did feel very, as I echo what you said, I mean, felt very much like I fit in at Claw more so than, than at other events. Yeah, one of the things that was uh, really useful, uh, there just happened to be like one of those big um, uh, sticky, or I'm sorry, those big, not whiteboards, but the big paper uh, paper sticky notes, post-it notes, the giant ones they do for brainstorming and stuff like that. They happened to have one in there, and uh, Sam helped me out as my volunteer, and so we were kind of doing Venn diagram ideas, and so one of them was... The first one was very logical is if you were to take BDSM as a great big circle and you were to take spanking as a great big circle, spanking would be contained within the massive BDSM circle because spanking is a type of BDSM. It's it's always BDSM. I mean, if you're spanking, if consenting adults are spanking each other, it's BDSM play. It's key play. But if you were to make a Venn diagram of the BDSM community and the spanking community. There's some overlap, but the, the communities are not completely contained. And so kind of my goal is to kind of make the overlap a little bit closer, I guess, just to make it so that people are, are feel more comfortable intermingling in, in, in my case, most, mostly, mostly, Spanking guys. I want spanking guys to feel closer to the kink community so we can actually <laughs> learn more guys over and play with us. I, I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with that agenda. It's, it's like, it's like, oh, I have an agenda, but it's, it's a perfectly, it's a perfectly nice agenda. It's a perfectly happy agenda to get more guys who are in the kink scene over doing spanking play with us. There's nothing wrong with that. So, <laughs> and. Then we did that. Uh, we did so the first uh, of what I hope will be an annual. 
Bad Boy Staking Party happened on Friday night, Black Friday evening after Thanksgiving. And so <laughs> we'll start with the we'll start with the challenges and, and then and then so that we can start with the bad thing and how we how we recovered from it. So this was the first time that this event was this entire claw event was in LA. The first time this massive leather event was in LA. It was also the first time this hotel had hosted an event like this. And there were some issues, uh, one of which was a pretty big issue for the event as a whole, which is we had been led to believe, and it's still not entirely clear how, um, we were led to believe, and I believe the CLAW organizers themselves were led to believe that we had reserved either all or most of the hotel, that we had taken up most or all of the rooms. That turned out to not be the case. And so we had a significant amount of uh, mingling uh, with uh, people who were there with CLAW and people who were not, including, you know, families and children. The first five floors of the hotel are open. There are shops, there are restaurants, and, you know, there are bars that anyone can go into and drink. Like, you know, typically like a large hotel, um, a, a large destination hotel that, that has lots of, you know, that can have 1,500 guests. That created a lot of tension um, and some unfortunate confrontations. Uh, there was a podcast by the What's the App? Uh, I'm sorry, What's the Safe Word, folks? I don't know if you've heard of them. They are a YouTube channel, uh, Pup Amp and Christopher. Uh, they're kink educators. You should definitely look it up. It's What's the Safe Word, W A T T S. Um, I actually met them. I'll talk about them in a little bit. Uh, but Pup Amp apparently had a confrontation with a a uh, hotel worker who did not like the way that he was dressed in the lobby, uh, even though he was not technically violating obscenity laws or anything like that. So there are some educational issues. Um, mm. Yeah, not everyone at the hotel apparently had been appropriately prepared for what was going to happen for the event. So that, that leads up to the party. So uh, we, I had arranged for a friend of mine, um, Jonathan, who had kindly uh, agreed to come out uh, with uh, Colby, uh, uh, his partner and the wonderful porn actor who's into spanking. Um, they rented one of the biggest suites at the very top, like one of the penthouse suites. Um, at the very top of the of the hotel, and we were going to do this baking party that there. That's where the party was being held. Well, the party was held there for about half an hour, uh, and then security shut it down because of sound issues. Um, which again, we would not have arranged for the party to be there if we thought there would be sound issues. But since we thought we had taken over the hotel, of course, none of us was thinking about sound issues. Um, fortunately, we were able to salvage it and move it down to a couple of the, the places where we were doing the classes, the education classes. We converted them into a play space. And so uh, we were able to take it down there. Now, the turnout was great. 
um, you know, having said that, that was an awkward thing. Um, it was very unfortunate because, of course, uh, our buddy Jonathan put out a lot of money to uh, take that suite for the weekend so that we could have these parties there. And then the hotel shut it down. And we were very we were extremely not happy about that. However, the party itself still ended up being a massive hit. We had, I think, more than 100. You were there, right? Yes. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of people there. And um, it, was, it was good that, I mean, the claw organizers, they um, they work quickly and they, they took care of us. They got us into um, some conference rooms in the lower part of the hotel. Um, so I, to me, it, it didn't, it, it didn't ruin the party at all. Um, I just, I think it is unfortunate to go to a big kink event like that and, and kind of be kink shamed, right? Like, yeah. So yeah. it's something they, they have to work on, uh, in selecting, you know, a location for next time that, you know, the last thing you want, I mean, you go through most of your life kind of hiding that you're into all this stuff. And when you go to one of these weekends, the last thing you want is to have to sort of justify like why you're doing, you know, why you're making noise or why you're dressed a certain way or wearing a certain mask or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of, it's a mixed issue. And, um, I, I've spoken a little bit with the organizers after, after all of this about, about all the stuff that happened. And all I could say is like things like this are being worked on. Um, but it was by, I, it was sort of like a, a whipsaw, a whipsaw back and forth. Like there are some, uh, I've been involved with this event. The reason why it had such a strong spanking presence and the reason why they were so responsive to me was because I've been participating and working with Claw and making this happen. So I had, I was heavily invested and they were actually heavily invested in making sure that this succeeded, which I really appreciated. Um, but there were people at the hotel who were very supportive and people at the hotel who were less supportive or confused. And there was just a, a strange kind of mix of stuff. This, this is an awkward way to say this. It was almost worse than if we could predict that people would be hostile because you just did not know how people would react to how you were dressed or how you were doing. Like it's Los Angeles. And so, you know, a lot of people who have that sort of, well, it's Los Angeles mentality were perfectly fine with all of this, but there was still a bit of a mix and confusion and children looking at signs and wondering what they meant and, and all of that sort of thing. And, um, at one point, I ended up discussing with one of the the hotel desk clerks when when this whole thing happened with the party was was I told her we definitely would never had you know I'm not a, I, well I told her I'm not ashamed of my fetish I'm not ashamed of being a kinky person and she just kind of politely nodded and it's like but I would you know it's never my intention to expose people to it involuntarily and so I told her you know I never would have arranged an event in a place where I thought that people who didn't want to hear it would be hearing it. Um, and so that's kind of what we need to make sure that we avoid for next year. So, but yeah, the spanky party itself was wonderful. Um, I didn't do a head count because I was running around making things happen, but it was definitely, I would say over the course of four hours, we had more than 100 people. Uh, there was uh, lots of different folks. Uh, there were some, ABDL folks who came to the speaking party. There were some pups. There were lots of pups there. Um, I actually gave gave a 
pup a spanking for the first time. I have not yet. I had not until this time played with the uh, pups before. Did you get any spanking play in? Uh, I did, yeah. And I, I had not only at the party, but I met people um, at the event and had people up to my room. So no, I had a good time. Yeah. So a little bit, or a little bit less successful, or let's just say completely unsuccessful. Uh, was the attempt to bring back this baking booth from the Folsom Street Fair. So we used to, or not we, some friends of mine in the baking scene back in the uh, 90s and thousands uh, would go to the Folsom Street Fair and do a baking booth as a fundraiser for AIDS charities. I tried to bring that back in the vending space at CLAW for uh, to raise money for CLAW because all of CLAW's money goes to philanthropic purposes. But the vending space, it was the first year. The vending space was pretty mild. Um, there was no energy. Well, there was an energy, but it was a very sort of mild swap meet energy, <laughs> which uh, it did not have huge crowds there that you would need to to draw a group of people who would watch guys getting spanked and who would contribute money. We, we made $40 uh, for Claw. Um, and... Uh, we did have a couple of benches here. You, you saw some um, spanking play happen on some of those benches, I believe. Oh, yeah. I was there uh, helping out, and we did have a few people uh, take us up on, you know, getting a spanking, and some of them for the first time. And, I mean, I, I think it was fun. Yeah, I mean, but those those kinds of spaces are, are like that. I mean, I, I, similar events where, you know, a lot of people just walking around looking and not, not a lot of active participation. And yeah. we weren't really selling anything, and so – you know, I noticed even the, the booth next to us that was representing uh, a, um, a bar in L.A. Um, and, you know, they weren't very busy either. Right. So I, yeah. I didn't feel like like it's not like we were kind of looked at as like, oh, what's that? You know, it was just that um, there weren't that many people and we weren't selling anything. That yeah. People were interested in. Yeah. Those of us. So there was the the Los Angeles Leather Coalition, which is this kind of an umbrella group of several um, organizations connected to leather and kink in Los Angeles. So we made this sort of social space in the vendor area on the assumption, you know, that if the vendor space was really busy, you know, it could be a nice place for people to sit down and relax and socialize. And it turned out to be completely, for, at least for this event, this first time, the vending space never really got busy enough for that to be something that people were looking for. So... But it was it was beautiful space. It was an absolutely beautiful space, really lovely. Um, uh, and it was great to kind of be part of it. We contributed. I contributed some money to uh, make it a nice big uh, spot, spot, and then for us to do our spanking booth, which which failed. But that's okay. We learned. Um, the also in the vending space, which is where I got my best compliment. Uh, so I had mentioned the What's the Safe Word guys uh, on YouTube. So I was introducing myself to them because it's like, hey, I, I, I wanted to tell them about the Dudes Baking Dudes podcast uh, because they also do a podcast. They do their YouTube channel. And so I, I introduced myself to uh, Daddy Christopher. And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, I said, you know, I'm with the Dudes Baking Dudes podcast. It's like, oh, Spaking. He's like, did you know about that Spaking party? And I was like, oh, yes, I'm the one who organized the Spaking party. <laughs> And and so then he said he said exactly what I needed to hear, which was that I've never been to a leather event that had such a high profile spanking presence. That is, yeah, and, that, and that's because of you, Scott. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would have happened without you. 
I organized it, but I mean, it, the organizing wouldn't have worked if people didn't show. And I want to make it clear here. There were some events that were organized that people didn't show. Uh, so it's not just because of me. It's because L.A. does have a really strong, solid spanking scene. Uh, and we had all of my buddies from Moonburn came out to the spanking party. So we had a lot of folks, a lot of local folks there for the event. Uh, intermingling with these people from, you know, from elsewhere and all these new folks that they'd never met before. Uh, and hopefully uh, people made friends or made some more connections. I made a few new friends um, through CLAW. Um, I don't know about you. Did you make any new friends? I did. Yeah, I have a couple more numbers in my phone now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always a win. And and I did reconnect with some people in the spanking scene that had traveled from, you know, the other side of the country and, so, yeah, I mean, I think it, it can definitely be a, a recurring event on our on our spanking calendars um, and uh, look forward to going to it again. Yeah. And so I told so last week uh, I had a sort of a teleconference with a couple of the organizers where we went over some of the challenges and just kind of I want to get a sense of what they were working on, making sure that, you know, we were all kind of on the same page about how things went or, you know, or that they knew about some of the experiences that we had if, you know, that they might want to make, that we want to make sure got addressed. Um, there's, there are still plenty to come back. Now we don't know whether it's going to be at the same hotel next year. Um, so, but there'll be information about that. And what I told them is I definitely want to stay connected with the event um, I, for all the stress that it caused, uh, it was the kind of stress that I enjoyed doing. I really, I, uh, really, really liked putting this all together and seeing it happen and seeing, you know, this big speaking presence at a leather event. Um, and the, and then the next thing he says, like, Hey, are you going to come out to, uh, Cleveland in, in April? So the, um, the Cleveland, uh, claw next year will be in Cleveland uh, from April 28th to May 1st. And they invited me to attend that. Uh, but I will probably still be recovering from hot seat retreat and I will not be traveling to that. But um, they were very, very open and friendly towards speaking presence. So if there are folks out there in my listening audience who are saying, hey, should we do something like this for the Cleveland event you definitely should you should definitely give it a try see how it goes if you need some advice or tips now i know there are some additional challenges in cleveland because the it's not all in one hotel like it was here in la so things kind of moved around um so i know there are some additional challenges there but this was like i said this is a huge party we did very well got a lot of compliments um people really liked the spanking classes we really made sure speaking was part of the kink scene here. Like the, the Venn diagram overlap existed. Um, and so we just want to kind of keep that going and maybe kind of find ways, you know, our buddies with Badass Weekend bring speaking parties to Mid-Atlantic Leather. Um, but we want to kind of make sure that, that the Leather and Kink community knows that we are part of them. So... Uh, any final thoughts about your experiences at CLAW? Uh, no, I mean, I had a good time and I just, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're, you're uh, understating the, 
you know, your, your role in things, Scott. I mean, I think w- without you stepping up and saying, let's make this happen, um, we wouldn't have seen spanking be, be featured in, in the way it was. Oh, well, thank you. But I'm not unique. Other people can do that too. There are spanking parties that happen all across the country and I actually learned from them. So <laughs> don't feel like, oh, if, if Scott's not doing it, it's not going to happen. You guys can totally out there. You guys can totally make this happen. Um, so, but with that, uh, to kind of transition, one, one very important, significant, additional learning experience at Badass. I spent a lot of time uh, down in the dungeon. Um, we had this wonderful uh, play space, dungeon space that was open to all different kinds of kink, including spanking. I actually, me and a new, uh, a new victim for my bullying, um, uh, inaugurated the dungeon when it opened. We were the first guys in there, and I pushed him over a spanking bench and gave him a wedgie and, and paddled his butt with my bully paddle. Um, but there was a lot of activity going on. There was another space where there was a lot of, a lot of hardcore sex going on, um, fisting and flogging. I actually, JR gave me a really nice, interesting flogging um, that at one point was much more <laughs> He corrected my belief that, that flogging is not as painful as spanking at one point. Um, <laughs> it's all in the technique. Um, but, uh, one of the things I started realizing I was surrounded by, there were somewhere between a thousand and 1500 men circulating through this event. Uh, I was getting a lot of folks reaching out to me in recon on scruff and they were all super hot. There were a lot of really, really, really hot guys there. I began to realize fairly early on in that, well, I wasn't having as much time to play because I was doing all of this stuff, which again, not a complaint. I agreed to this. I wanted it to happen. I'm very happy with how things turned out. But I also began to realize that I was not responding to any of these flirtations, um, these cruises, these woofs. And ultimately by Saturday night, I realized that I did not want to have sex with anybody. Um, and this is something I've been kind of been thinking about for a little while. And this kind of put me over the, the top of, of recognizing that I am asexual. Uh, so this is kind of a, an announcement that I'm asexual um, and what that means, which is not very much at all. Uh, <laughs> Jaden, having you on here is also great for that because you are also asexual. Yeah, I, I felt that way. I mean, pretty much my whole life. And it's, I mean, I, I struggle with it a little bit, or I struggled in the past, I guess, with it, as far as what does it really mean? Right? Like, right. I, I am, I don't think it's fair to say I'm completely asexual, because I, I am a sexual person. I just my the way I express my sexuality is very, very, very different. And I feel like, yeah, I'm a very, you know, I, I'm an anomaly, you know, definitely an aberration of uh, you know, gay, a gay man, or even a gay man into spanking, like, so, you know, what I've struggled with is just explaining it to people, like, what does it, what does it mean? And uh, I think people are quite, um, you know, I, I, the number of times where I've, I've sort of confided in somebody and told them, and they just have no, like, they've never met anyone that's, you know, that doesn't have sex, basically. And, 
So it's, yeah, it's that, that part is tough when you're like, how do you, how do you explain that to somebody when, when they just have no comprehension of it? So, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of accepted it about five years ago. Um, and I would say the, the, um, you know, the challenge with being asexual is as far as relationships go, I think it's very limiting. Um, because most people are, um, most people are into vanilla sex as a way of bonding that then leads to like long-term relationships. And so when that's off the table, um, particularly for gay men, uh, there's, you don't have a lot of options. So, you know, I kind of considered maybe I could try to be more sexual. I could sort of fake it, you know, and I did that in my early thirties and, um, and then I just got to the point where I was like, you know what, this isn't me. You know, I need to be myself. I need to focus on what I like and what I'm good at, which is the spanking and the role play and age play stuff that we talked about. And so I've just gotten more and more into that and I feel more and more comfortable with it. Um, but I do acknowledge that it's it's very limiting as far as, you know, maybe finding a boyfriend or um, even just limiting as far as like, yeah, for people to understand understand me so well let's just start with like a basic explanation of what asexuality is because things get very quickly get complicated so once you get beyond the basics so so what is asexual so when i first started researching in in my 20s um the the definition that i found was uh someone that does not experience sexual attraction and I sort of thought to myself, okay, well, that's that's not really me because I, I do like guys and I right. am attracted to guys like I experience a physical attraction or chemistry. I have a type, basically. And I think, you know what it is. Scott. Yes. <laughs> you know me. Well, you know me well enough. Yes. So, but what I don't have is the interest in oral or anal sex. Right. And so that's where I use the term asexual because um, it's seems to be a cleaner way of expressing that I don't I'm, I'm not interested at all in in vanilla sex, which is for gay men, usually oral or anal. Right. Top or bottom. And so that that's where I just use the word asexual. But I yeah, I'm not I'm not I do. I am attracted to guys and obviously like doing, you know, doing things with guys and just express it very differently than um, most people do. Yeah. So when I when I attempted to explore asexuality, I do like what everyone does now, which is which is look things up online and see what you find on YouTube. And, you know, I'm not criticizing that because that's how that's how young spankos are finding my podcast um, and learning about spanking. But it gets really confusing really quickly because there's there seems to be or or let's put it this way there's a vocal part of the asexual community which is very focused on identity and labels and so you start really getting into different kinds of asexuality and different flavors of asexuality and it starts getting really confusing because even then when you start looking at these different flavors like like you i have kind of the same feeling as you i have no interest in actual sexual intercourse i'm not disgusted by it I do find myself sexually attracted to men without actually wanting to have sexual activity with them. It all becomes an interest in spanking and impact play. So in that sense, I kind of dismissed for a long time the idea that I could be that I might be asexual, which with the idea that, well, no, this is how I express my sexuality. 
But that's kind of awkward when you're trying to deal with relationships with other people because if if they if they're not the same flavor as you, you know, the same idea of oh spanking is my sexuality, they're not going to understand that and if you say I don't have sex, they're probably going to see you as asexual. And so then I started realizing, you know, labeling myself as asexual actually makes it easier in a certain way for people to understand, for other men to understand what's likely to happen, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I mean, the, the story I would give is I, I've had, you know, various profiles on places to meet men, right? Like Grindr and, and Recon and and Adam for Adam back in the day. And and so in all those cases, you know, I would get into these messaging schemes. I'd have a profile set up specifically for spanking. Like I'm, I'm into spanking. I'm only into spanking. So on. I would state that on there and I would get, you know, good messaging with going with somebody. And then I would get the, the you know, inevitable question. And what else are you <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Right. And so when I read that, it's sort of like it's like, yeah, for you know, somebody might be interested in spanking, but what they're really wanting is sex, right? And right. Um, so I, I just learned, you know, through experience that people can be, um, you know, sir, I mean, I've even had cases where people are quite offended that, you know, even though we hadn't discussed having anything more sexual, even though in some cases they, they would state that, oh, I'm okay with that. And then they come over and think they can, can, can convince me to do more, something more sexual. And then, you know, they leave kind of in, um, in disgust that I'm not willing to do it with them. <laughs> so it, it's definitely, um, I've learned, uh, how to, how to kind of avoid that. And, you know, I, I do try to be as clear as possible on my profile and in, in messaging with people. And, and I've just gotten to the point where I don't even use uh grinder, for example. Like I, I mean, I live in West Hollywood and, Grinder is sort of like the gay community directory. Like everyone has a Grinder profile, even people in relationships in many cases. And I, I don't have any use for it really because it's not a, it's not a place where um, I'm going to find the sort of specialized um, interest, you know, sexual interest that um, that that would make a hookup successful. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it feels a little bit awkward for me to just kind of finally say it. At the age of 50, in fact, the, the first person I told, I, I told JR because we were roommates and we were lying in bed on, lying in separate beds on Sunday morning. And I just kind of looked at him and, and um, I'd actually had a discussion the previous day at the panel on spanking and uh, spanking as a lifestyle. Uh, I and, and our uh, buddy Sam. So Sam is wonderful and is essentially kind of our polar opposite. Uh, Sam really, really likes to combine spanking play with sexual activity, uh, enjoys it a whole lot and and more power to them um, is great. And so we're kind of debating the fact that some people in the spanking community are very sexual and some people like us want to keep sex separate from spanking, either because um, uh, there are there are men in the spanking community who are who have partners who who have these agreements where they're allowed to do spanking play with other men, but nothing sexual. Like they do sex with their partner. They do spanking play with other men. There's there's various sorts of different agreements and various reasons why men might separate spanking play out from sexuality. In our case, it's because we don't want sex. But there's other reasons why people do it. Um, we were talking about that at the the panel. 
and it kind of like inspired me to kind of think, and I, I ended up chatting with Sam a little bit later. Uh, and then the next morning I just kind of said to JR, I've come to realize that I'm asexual. Um, and he just kind of smiled and nodded at me. And I'm like, did you, were you expecting me to say that? He's like, no, no, no. And he's just being supportive. He's like, oh, thanks. Uh, what was awkward for me about going through all of this is I had initially, I came of age in the era of AIDS. And I've talked about this in the podcast a lot. And it's very much a part of kink history, uh, particularly among Gen X kinksters like myself, where BDSM became the safe way to represent our sexuality because having actual sexual intercourse was so dangerous. Avatar, the kink organization, exists because there was a need to teach people how to safely engage in BDSM play when having sexual intercourse started becoming deadly uh, for a while. And so for that early adulthood, I, it never occurred to me to think about something like asexuality because I had just kind of internalized the concept of sex as being dangerous because of HIV. And then as, you know, PrEP uh, has come around and treatments for AIDS and HIV have become so um, solid and prevention is nearly foolproof if people do what they're supposed to do, um, sex is much less scary and much less dangerous. And But I still wasn't doing it. I still was not having sex. And eventually, at some point, I began to realize, well, this after a certain point, if you don't do something that everyone else is doing, after a certain point, you realize that it's actually a choice. I've made a choice to not have sex. <laughs> and I had to actually start thinking about that because, like, if you go to a hotel with 1,500 gay men who are there for sex and kinky fun and you don't have sex with any of them, that's a thing. Uh, and so I was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't decide. But it did also cause me to think about the fact that I fantasize about sex all the time. And this goes in, this leads into the confusion about how asexuality is um, explained uh, because that is actually something that some asexual people say. They, they will fantasize about sex. Sometimes they think about sex. They masturbate. I masturbate all the time. Um, <laughs> hi, hi, listeners. <laughs> um, but I had to start kind of intellectually thinking about while I was doing that. And in my writing, especially the most recent uh Spanking Smut series that I did, Aaron's Game, sex plays as big a role as spanking in that series. Um, I started realizing, though, in that story and in those fantasies, sex is a f presented as an expression of domination as opposed to erotic connection, which is also, you know a legitimate fantasy in BDSM. But what I was doing is sort of an extension of what I call the bully play scenario, where the the in this sexual fantasy, it's the top's fantasy that is realized and the bottom is along for the ride. So in these fantasies about sex, it's only the top who is, um, well, they're both enjoying themselves, but 
the top is enjoying himself and the bottom. And usually if I'm fantasizing myself in the scene, I am always the bottom. And so I am enjoying the feeling of the top enjoying himself, which coincidentally is what I like when I bottom for spanking. And for me, that was a realization. It's like, oh, my fantasies about bottoming for sex are about pleasing someone else and not my own personal sexual satisfaction. And so now all of that makes more sense. So what can we take away from all this? What's going to change about the podcast? Probably nothing. Actually, the, a weird thing, the other thing that it made me realize is that, um, uh, especially because you know, with the two of us on here, uh, with a, a tendency to kind of set sex on the side, um, the podcast has kind of unintentionally been a little bit too sex negative um, or set sex to the side, maybe a little bit too much. Uh, and probably a little bit more than certainly our listeners would want. So I'll definitely want to think about ways of making this podcast itself a little bit more sex inclusive for guys that want to combine sex with spanking. Um, uh, and I guess it's some sort of discussion about um, projecting fantasies on others. Uh, uh, you've experienced it, Jaden, with the idea of of people wanting to project on you that spanking is going to lead into sex, but it can also go in the reverse, right? I mean, we have that issue ourselves now, right? What do you mean by that? So for example, um, if you're not informing people that you're not interested in sex in your online profiles, what would they assume? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely did some of that when I was younger. <laughs> Well, what do you Didn't mean? Know better. Well, like I, I would be really motivated to hook up with somebody based on their looks or whatever. And I would say like, oh, like, can I give you a spanking? And, you know, wouldn't I, I would try to avoid talking about sexual activity and thinking that they'd be satisfied with just, you know, coming and getting a spanking, which they wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess one of the great one of the good things, as confusing as a lot of this asexual identification stuff going around is, and it is really confusing and is awkward. I, I, I'm identifying here as asexual, but I'm having a hard time identifying with the stuff I read and the stuff I'm watching from other asexual people because it seems very, very much a desire to create some sort of an asexual community which I'm not sure is going to happen because asexuality just seems to be really personal. Yeah, I, I, I did um, explore that in my, in my twenties. And I even went to a couple of face-to-face -face meetups with the AVEN group, which is the asexuality Vis visibility and education network. Um, and no, I, I mean, I think they have a, a fairly robust community. I just never felt that I really fit into it. And I just kept, being drawn back to what you know the core of my sexuality which is spanking and so when you know something i want to you know put out there as a as a takeaway for me for people like me or that that are considering you know how sexual they really are is like events are something we have that are you know a godsend for people like us right because you can go to something with a bunch of people that are into the same thing and you don't have the awkwardness of having to have the discussion about how sexual it's going to get. Um, people that go to spanking events go for the spanking, right? And some of them go for sex as well. 
but primarily they're there for the spanking. And so you don't have to, it's those weekends that I go to events, the, the, the only time of the year when I don't have to worry about having that as part of the thought process, right? When I'm negotiating a, a meetup with somebody. Yeah, yeah. So I, events yeah. are great. And, you know, there there is sex that goes on at, at some events. And and some events are, are purely spanking, like the Moonburn event in L.A. They, they actually explicitly say that when you sign in, that there's no sexual play allowed. Yeah. Um, it's not an orgy, right? And, right. Um, and most spanking events aren't overtly sexual. I mean, I think any sex that happens is, is more... It's more private and, and, and definitely it's the spanking dominate, the spanking play dominates the event. So I think, yeah, events are, are great, really, really saved me because I felt very, very lost and really un, unsure of what am I to do and what's wrong with me kind of that, that was, you know, how I felt my whole life until I started to come into the spanking scene and I'm like, Oh, okay. This is where I belong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great to have that. Um, and you know, but I do still feel like, yeah, I feel even within the spanking scene, I remember the first big event I went to was camp red tails. And I actually, you know, confided in people and I said, I think I'm asexual. And, um, even then, like people didn't understand that they're like, well, how can you be asexual and come to a big event with all this, you know, going on? Uh, and, you know, I just, even there, I, I felt like, oh, this just doesn't make a lot of sense. And it took me a while to come to realize that, yeah, most people are pretty sexual. Um, there's not, you know, we're definitely a, a minority, uh, people that really don't engage in, in penetrative sex or intercourse. Um, and I, you know, but there, the spanking scene is, is I think a cool place to have this problem because, there are obviously people like you and I, right? Yes. We look at, for example, porn videos, right? There are porn productions where the only thing that's happening is spanking. There's no sex at all. Right. So they're producing for an audience where if there was, if it turned sexual, it would, it would be a turnoff, right? And if you remember the early um, Spank This videos, right, where he, he did mostly pure spanking videos. And then he had a couple where I think they were called spanking squirts. <laughs> you remember the name, but where they included sex, but uh, there were only a couple of videos and I think he kind of stopped doing them. So there's clearly a, um, you know, there's an audience out there for people that are just, you know, looking for spanking, uh, whether it's in a, in a porn video or in a podcast or in an app in the case of WAPS, um, and, you know, that's that's where I fit in. I don't I agree with you. I don't I feel that I fit into the asexuality community as much as I fit into the spanking community. Um, and it's it's a cool place to be, um, you know, where, you know, this is this is all I have. Right? That's kind of <laughs> and so I have to make the best of it and not I, I could be down and depressed about it. And I was, you know, in my in my early 20s. Um, but now I feel like, okay, well, this is what I have to work with. And, you know, here are, these are the resources I have and, and, you know, be happy with it. Right. And yes, it might not lead to a, a, a relationship, and, but maybe that's just the way it's meant to be. You know, and, um, I think that, uh, um, you know, it, it's, I just try to be authentic and the more I've done that in the last few years, um, the more people I've had you know, tell me that, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. And, and some of them actually are, you know, they're in relationships because they want, you know, they want to be in a relationship. That's a big priority for them. 
and they the issue they're having is just that they're not that sexual and they're much more fetish oriented and um so i'm like okay well maybe maybe i wouldn't be as happy in a relationship you know what i mean even though right. I think that that's what i would want at some point um I, I hear from other people that they kind of, you know, they force themselves to be a bit more sexual than they really are um, so they can stay in a relationship. And uh, yeah, so, I, yeah I, that, that's my thought on it. Yeah, I actually thought about that. I kind of realizing that the, the great thing of recognizing that, oh, my sexual fantasies are about um, a top using, you know, anal sex as a way of domination is, well, I might actually be OK with that. So the the funny thing is, down the line, um, I I actually said on the podcast like when I started feeling like, well, I think maybe I'm looking for a partner. Was saying I'm actually looking for a top as a partner, and now I'm kind of realizing what that is is because I can't sexually satisfy a partner as a top, but I could as a bottom. Um, and in fact, I might again enjoy it as a form of domination as opposed to a type of sexual intercourse that brings me pleasure. Um, so that might be something that happens down the line um, with a partner or, or not. I actually, and like you, I am happy with my relationship with the spanking community. I mean, I certainly wouldn't have been doing what I was doing with Claw, you know, if I wasn't happy <laughs> about spanking. Um, I love it. And um, the feeling of impact play in general, spanking and in the floggings um, that I've started getting into, those create these wonderful endorphin rushes that I don't get from sex. And so um, that's also why I say that I have a spanking fetish, because it is a replacement for sex. Um, and so that is a possibility if you're out there and you're asexual and you're listening to this. Um, BDSM, a lot of a lot of BDSM activity does not involve sexual intercourse uh, and doesn't have to. And so you can find a lot of fun sexual sexualized ways of connecting with people um, if you have that drive. That's not se not necessarily sexual intercourse. And of course, on the flip side, because I've really been bad at saying this, uh, yes, it is. Uh, a lot of people into spanking are, of course, into other forms of sex, and it is absolutely perfectly normal to blend the two of them as well. <laughs> and I'll do better. <laughs> I'll do better at connecting with that part of the community as well. So, uh, with that, we will wrap up this episode of Dudes Spanking Dudes. Uh, Jin, how can folks reach you? So you can find me on WAPS. My profile there is WAPS, W-H-A-P-P-Z. Um, I'm also on Spank This, Recon, a bunch of other places with the same name. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. As for me, I am on Spank This Hookups as Red SPK Scott. Uh, everywhere else like WAPS, Recon, Scruff, I am on there as Red Spank Scott. So... Looking forward to seeing a bunch of you next year at Hot Seat Retreat, and we will get to work on that. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being on, Jake. Thank you.